Yo, 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 yo. Yo. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Sean Grigsby, and you're listening to Cosmic Dragon. This is episode 26, and today I'm going to be speaking with Rosemary A. Johns, a USA Today best-selling author, y'all, which we've had that on before. I, I failed to say that uh, David Dalglish was a USA Today best-selling author as well. Uh, you can go listen to that episode. And uh, he was also a guest on the interview I did with Fonda Lee. So, but Rosemary A. Johns is also a USA Today bestselling author. And I tried to find out how she did it in this interview coming up next. Before we jump into that, though, I want to let you know that I have some books out from Angry Robot Books. They are available everywhere. That includes Barnes & Noble, Powell's, Books A Million, and anywhere books are sold. Even Walmart and Target online, which is awesome and crazy. Uh, if I ever see that stuff on the shelves at either store, that would just be crazy. But uh, they do have it online. And uh, the books that are out right now are Smoke Eaters, which is about firefighters versus dragons in the future. It's uh, a mashup of fantasy, science fiction, a little urban fantasy. And I also have a book out called Daughters of Forgotten Light. Now, Daughters of Forgotten Light is a grindhousey exploitation Science fiction about all women motorcycle gangs in space fighting the powers that be. And uh, both of those books, both of those novels are eligible for a plethora of awards this year. So if you're the type who likes to nominate and uh, read books that you would like to consider nominating, I'd love your nomination if you think it's worthy. I myself, as an author, am up for the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer. This is my first year of eligibility. And I would love your consideration for that as well. Plus, this podcast you're listening to is eligible as well. If you like what I'm doing, hey, check it out. You can find me at seangrigsby.com. Uh, if you're not already listening to this podcast through my website, and while you're here, you can go click on the tab at the top right, look at my books, look at where I'm going to be. I'm uh, hopefully going to be at Gen Con this year with all kinds of cool people like Scott Lynch. Uh, and so many people I can't even think of. Anton Strout, uh, Diana Rowland, who, if you aren't aware, is the famous Christmas dragon lady <laughs> whose neighbors got pissed off that she had these huge inflatable dragons outside uh, from Halloween through Christmas. So enough about me. Let's jump in to our interview with Rosemary A. John. So we're here with Rosemary A. Johns, who is a USA Today best-selling author. And uh, I've read, Rosemary, that you were traditionally published with your short fiction. Uh, is that the case with your novels, or are you self-published with the novels? I have my own indie company called Fantasy Rebel Limited, um, where I publish my own novels. Um, I was also a playwright as well in the past. Um, but I made the decision that I wanted to uh, do my own thing with my novels. And you're a USA Today best-selling author. So my question, first of all, before we jump into what your books are about, is how did you do that? <laughs> um, uh, well, one of the things I did was I was in a box set. So, um, so the last time was over this summer. Uh, I was in a box set called The Shadow Files. That was with one of my Rebel Angel series, 
Um, that was very exciting. Um, one of the things I've, it's been about three years now that I've been doing novels um, and it's gradually built. It's gradually built really. So one book, one book basically led to the then success of another. Yeah. Okay. I, I write. I write what's called the the rebel the rebel verse. So it's set within within a, a paranormal world. Um, so the first set series was called Rebel Vampires. The one I'm writing now, which is a five book series, is called Rebel Angels. There's going to be another another one starting in autumn. And so basically, I write addictive fantasy um, around rebels, and and that's that's really that's really me. So that's become my kind of niche, and I have a I have a kind of um, strong following for that. And uh, I've even had people who have um, I had a, somebody who designed a jewelry range around it. Um, I've had rock songs um, that have been written around it for both series. So I kind of discovered that it had had a really people had a really strong reaction to it, really, um, which which was great. And I think also it's from um, being a British author and bringing a a British twist to it. I think that's another element. Yeah, because well, first of all, would you consider your books urban fantasy, or do you call them something else? I would call them urban fantasy. Yeah, I yeah I call them I call them urban fantasy. Um, the the they the first one is vampires. The second one's got angels in it. The next series is something else in them, but they're set in the real world. But it's not the real world that we're living in now <laughs> that we'd recognise. Um, it's a lot more fantastical than a lot of urban fantasy is. It's possibly more literary than than some urban fantasy may be. But I mean, in the great tradition of Neil Gaiman, it's probably as close as that's probably the closest you're going to get. Yeah. Where do you think urban fantasy lies in the marketplace, be it self-publishing or traditional publishing? I'd say it lies mainly with indie. Indie indie is killing it um, in terms of, of how successful it is with urban fantasy. Um, and I, I went, I went indie primarily because of the, the very first series that I wrote, which was Bebel Vampires. Um, the lead character is a savant. He's, um, everything he, he sees, he remembers. And it was inspired by, um, my son, who's an autistic savant. And I had this concept that I wanted it to be a story, almost like um, a critic described it as a paranormal version of the notebook, because his lover, who is human, who he's been with all his life, um, it has dementia. She's forgetting all the life they've had together. But he is a vampire. He can't forget any of it. So he remembers centuries, essentially, but he with kind of the clarity of a photograph, which if you imagine yourself as a vampire, is actually quite a quite a horrific thing to remember so i wanted to really write something about memory um and and in traditional publishing um there are some things that then maybe not quite as open uh about publishing or as easy about publishing and there are things that i love to write about um 
freedom and difference and choice. And I'm a subversive artist, which is I'm always about challenging things. And it was a lot easier for me to do that if I had control over it. Um, And I didn't necessarily know um, how, how that would, how that would, how that would go long term, but it was something that I was very, very, very passionate about writing. Um, Yeah. So that's it. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to write this and we'll just see. Um, But it, but it was obviously something that, that really, that really clicked with other people and other readers, which is, as a writer, it's why you write. Absolutely. I, I, that was kind of my perception of uh, urban fantasy, Is and I wanted to check with you first before I made a comment about it, <laughs> is that uh, with traditional publishing, urban fantasy has t- kind of gone by the wayside, uh, aside from the authors who have already made a big name for themselves in that genre. However, in self-publishing, like you said, it they're killing it. So it makes me wonder, you know, is it really the, the market that's deciding this, or, or just the, the people in charge? It's it's a, I'm, I, I wonder. I, I think I think traditional is missing a trick big time. Um, the BBC have just made. I'm saying the BBC. It's it's been shown there. I don't I don't know what production company made it. Have just made a version of Deborah Harkness's discovery of. Witches, which is my wife's yeah. favorite books of all time. Right, well, they, <laughs> did she enjoy? Has she watched the? Uh, oh, she's of- made me sit with her and, and watch it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay. and she made me read read the uh, the first book, A Discovery of Witches. So, right. Well, that's urban fantasy. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, and uh, so with that being mainstream enough. To, be, to have that done it's like well if that's being successful enough to have a, a production version of it it seems rather bizarre to me but traditional publishing can be a couple of years behind what's actually being done right at the forefront because as uh, as a as an indie you have to absolutely have your finger on the pulse of, of what in actual fact is going to be coming out in six months time successful in six months time and in some ways, traditionals sometimes are a little bit behind on that, um, or bec- because they're having to make such big monetary decisions, they can be that bit more reserved. Yes, um, which yes. I completely understand from a business point of view. Whereas you can sometimes be pushing boundaries mm-hmm. a lot more um, as an indie, um, which was what I enjoyed about it. Um, which is not to say that I wouldn't ever do traditional, um, but at the same time, because I, cause I have and as a, as a hybrid, I do. Um, but at the same time, it, it, I do think they're missing something because it is hugely popular, hugely popular genre. Um, and it hugely fantastic, really enjoyable genre because it's a great way to hold up a, a mirror to society um, because you're, you're juxtaposing... Um, the, the fantastical with real life in a really, really um, interesting way. Absolutely. Have, have you been approached by any traditional publishers? Uh, I mean, granted, you're a USA Today bestselling author. Has anyone <laughs> talked to you about saying, hey, would you like to come, you know, let us pick it up? Or if they haven't, what would you say if they did? 
Um, okay, so I don't talk about things like that. Okay, no problem. I, that's <laughs> fine. I've been approached. I've been approached on a lot of different projects in a lot of different ways. Um, if if I was approached for for future uh, projects, um, then I'd have the my primary thing is that I'd want to be able to to keep what makes me me <laughs> because right. I have worked I have worked previously um, with on projects where you kind of get blunted. This is the best way to describe it because I've worked on I've worked on co-projects for theatre and play. And this is actually an interesting thing point about voice because I have a very distinctive voice in my books. Um, and uh, I think this is what makes you either stand out or not stand out. And this is true because there isn't actually when someone buys a book on Amazon, if you've got a if you've done your job properly, as an as an indie that the person buying it doesn't know that you're indie it shouldn't be about you're an indie or a traditional because they won't know so i mean there isn't a distinction you're a good writer you are not a good writer (laughs) you know it doesn't you know there isn't there isn't that line it doesn't doesn't make a blind bit of difference um but what what makes somebody pick you out is the fact of your voice is distinctive and I have a very distinctive voice and you have to have someone who is brave enough to go with that and to know that what you're doing, you're doing on purpose um, and that that is, that is who you are and is passionate about, about what you do. Um, if someone has equal passion to you, then I'm pretty much always open to opportunity and looking for opportunities because that's, you know, again, I think that's another trait of um someone who's going to be successful in pretty much any business is is being open to all opportunities but then able to to look through those opportunities properly and understand which one's going to work for them and won't work for them very true you you had mentioned uh, something about being uh I don't think you use the word eclectic, but that's that's the word that pops to mind. Yeah. But basically, being having that freedom and being the type of writer to where you write what you want and you don't uh, get yourself pigeonholed or have a publisher pigeonhole you. And uh, that's the type of writer that I am because I, I like to write different kinds of stuff. Um, I may write about firefighters versus dragons then they turn around and write a space western uh and that's just how i am and uh (laughs) and that's one of the reasons i think my agent suggested you know that i shouldn't not consider being hybrid but it's so scary to to be a self-published author (laughs) i mean i do a lot of my own marketing promo social media stuff but it's oh man it it would just be to me at this point it seems mind-boggling so my question would be, what are some things that you have found work well as far as marketing? Because uh, getting, uh, getting people to know about the book is the first step. So what has worked for you that you've found? So I'd say the very first step is actually getting the product right. <laughs> so a lot of people don't spend the right length of time on actually getting the book right um and they worry far too much on getting the marketing right 
Right. Um, so in reality, it's making sure that you're writing what people want to be reading um, and making sure that it's going to stand out because with all the best women in the world, you can spend whatever you like. Um, but if it's not good enough, it's not going to, and that includes editing, um, then, you know, it's not going to do that well. Um, and that includes your cover yes. and your blood yes. and, you know, your description. So that would be my primary advice. Um, and that includes, so I wrote, I write a lot about emotions. So um, that means that if you read mine, you'd think that this is like, thrilling and action and vampires and angels and epic battles and there's a lot of dark humor in there but in reality what it's about is so I used to direct in a theater company and I used to act um, and one of the main thing that we look for and I would look for as an actress was something had truth to it so in a scene who am I watching on that stage because all the time their reaction to truthful reactions so when I'm writing something, I'm constantly looking. Well, what what's the motivation of my uh, of my actor of my actors? See, I'm even thinking of them as actors. Oh my characters! <laughs> you see, that's how much. <laughs> but also, um, what's what's the truth? What's the tr ultimate truth of that scene? Um, and I think of them in scenes, as you can hear from me describing it, rather than chapters. They are scenes in my head. So. The emotion of your book that's going to hook somebody. So, getting that right and getting the plotting of everything that you, you're going to write and knowing who you are and what you're passionate about and only writing what you're passionate about is the number one thing for any writer. Because if you're indie and you're not, completely passionate about what you're writing and know why you've written it no amount of marketing afterwards is gonna do anything so like you could, I mean I literally could give <laughs> seminars um you know three four five months I've done um a master's in marketing um which I would advise anyone to do is seriously look up proper courses and go on uh, master's um, in marketing um, and publishing um, and creative courses. Yes, you've got to do all of that. You've got to take it as a proper craft if you're going to go indie. So I've done all of that as well. But the very first thing is you've got to take it. You've got to take it very, very seriously, the initial thing of writing the book. And you've got to see it as a craft, which I've always seen writing as a craft. So, But I mean, I didn't, I, I won't, I didn't see writing an indie book as any differently than I would had I written it for my traditional side. I think that's a really important point. Oh, absolutely. I, I would hope nobody would phone it in <laughs> if, they, no, I, if they thought they were going indie with it. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not, not sure it's a matter of phoning it in, but I just, I, a lot of um, indie authors haven't necessarily had that traditional background. And I think that because, you're, because there's that concern about selling it on the other side, the concentration is almost instantly at that point that you said, oh, oh my gosh, I've got to market it. And how am I going to be promoting it? And so the concentration isn't necessarily quite so heavily on that first, on that first section. Whereas when you're traditional, it's like you write the documents 
and you're not you're not having to even think of all that other stuff. Right. Right. But that is one thing I do caution other traditional published authors as well as um, not not to rely too heavily on the publisher to do most of the marketing because they they won't carry you by themselves nice. uh, uh, not until you've proven yourself and I mean hell if you if you love your book and you want it in readers' hands why why don't you do your own you know trumpeting uh, of it and, and letting people know about it so. Um, yeah, that's that's fantastic uh, advice, and I've looked at marketing classes myself. Some are a bit more boring than others, <laughs> so you have to find the good ones. Um, and you you mentioned that if an indie does a good job, that you wouldn't even be able to tell whether they were indie or traditionally published. And I think one of the first steps, or one of the first things recognized with that, is the cover. And you have some fantastic covers for your book. What can you Tell us about those. Uh, who did you get to do these, or did you do them yourself? I certainly didn't do them myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I can write. See, this is the other thing. Right? There's sometimes there's a mistaken assumption um, when you go India. It's like, ah, I can do it all. <laughs> right, and you can't. I can write my book. I can do my, I can do my cover. I can, you know, it's like, no. It's like you get the experts to do the bit. You know, I'm the writer. Like, I'm not the expert in everything in my book. Um, and especially with the cover. Um, this is the covers are by uh, Rebecca Frank. Um, and the other important thing, though, with the cover is again, you don't just pass on the cover, and uh, you've got to really, really know what you want from your cover and give a really proper design brief. So I knew very much what I wanted um, for this series. Um, I'm uh, I hesitate to say perfectionist, <laughs> but I, I have a very strong vision. <laughs> but also, I see things in a very visual way, and um, I knew I knew very much what I wanted to translate um, from what I'd written into the covers. And so, you you make sure that you 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 give a very strong proper design brief. Um, which does not mean saying every tiny detail of what you want your two lead characters to look like on the front, but it means giving a mood of it, um, which they can then work on and put their put their stamp on, um, which was done I think really well, really well on these covers. Um, so no, I think I think it was a very they did a very good job of um, getting spirit of the books onto the onto the covers. Absolutely, and Absolutely. you can just tell that it's urban fantasy just from the cover, which I think is is a very talented uh, thing to do. Because um, with some, you look and you say, "I have no idea what genre this is," but it's pretty evident, at least to me. And I, I'm very bookish, and I I know a little bit about the marketing. But I, I think anybody could look at this and go, "Oh, that's urban fantasy. I, that that's my thing. Let me check it out." And Absolutely. I love the colors. Yeah, the colors. I yeah, that's my big thing. I. I love colours, um, and of course, my lead character is called Violet. So, of course, I think you know the colours, and and they're beautiful, beautiful together. To the extent that I admit that I designed what they were wearing within each book, knowing what I wanted the front covers to look like. So I was actually, <laughs> I was actually there thinking, <laughs> no, I can't have them wearing that top because it's going to totally clash on the book cover. 
<laughs> so yeah, I was I was thinking ahead. I'm actually yeah. looking at the Rebel Angels uh, cover right now, and th- that's what I was thinking. I was like, I love all the violet. All the, that's my favorite color, and uh, so that's very very well done. You know, you also mentioned uh, about being an actress in in, in theater. Uh, I myself am a former theater kid, and. I kind of use that of that that experiencing of of getting into a character, and I transfer yeah. that into writing and kind of getting into the head of that particular character, whichever one or multiple. Um, but it's so much fun to do that, and and I never think about it uh, until after the fact. But I say, oh wow, I I kind of got into that character while I was writing it. Uh, what what do you do? You like musicals or or uh, just straightforward plays? So I mean, what you said is absolutely, absolutely it. I think it, it absolutely was invaluable for how I write and having the impact that you write in in so many ways. Understanding um, the structure, understanding dialogue, um, motivations, um, but also losing yourself within the character whilst you're writing characters and and voice. But um, I I did all types. I did um, I did musicals. I acted musicals. I acted comedies. I acted uh, straight play, straight plays, as it were. Um, and I uh, I I particularly like being able to make people laugh. The buzz. Uh, I really miss doing theatre. But I think you can see that in my books because. Um, I always have humour, but what I what I found in plays, what I particularly loved finding in plays, is those moments where you have drama and and the moments of high drama because this is something that all plays do, and then you have um, right next to it comedy or humour, or you have it the opposite, opposite way round. So you'll have a moment of, of, of humour or, or a really happy something really happy, and then something really dramatic will happen. And Shakespeare is, you know, the, the king of that throughout his plays. You can have a tragedy, but he's always got comedy in there as well. Um, or he's have comedies, but then he has these really poignant moments in it. Um, so Malvolio, for example, in Twelfth Night. So, um, and I've taken that a lot into my work and to lower the tone from Shakespeare to uh, Buffy, um, I always thought... <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons I like Buffy was I thought that it did something really similar was that it would have these moments of, you know, sheer comedy, but then moments of, of drama and then moments where it was frightening. And it had a really good way of throwing all these different emotions kind of together. Um, and when I was doing plays, I'd always be looking for these moments where you have these really quick shifts and then how it did it. Um, and that's something that I use a lot in what I write. But I, it, it certainly is a, a really useful background, I think, uh, to writing. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> I love doing that same thing. I love, you know, if, there, if there's a, a, a scene of high action and intensity or intensity and tension, and uh, if someone just throws out a, a joke out of nowhere, I think um, one of the reasons it works is because many times people aren't expecting it <laughs> because yeah. they're, they're already primed for this uh, st- certain situation. And then when you throw something in, that's completely different. It, I, I love that. I think it gives it different levels, nuance, all that great stuff. So um, I'm glad that I have a kindred spirit in the theater and, and you can <laughs> use that uh, and put it into uh, your books. Uh, speaking of your books, 
what can you tell us? I know we talked a little bit about Rebel Angels, uh, but you have several series. Um, can you kind of touch on each one for us? So Rebel Vampires uh, is the first trilogy um, that I wrote. And this one was, my aim was to um, write, I wanted a, a ultimate British anti-hero. So I write anti-heroes. I write rebels and anti-heroes. My favorite and I types want, of characters. Yeah. So I always write anti-heroes because I was always interested, whenever talking of plays, plays or books, I was always interested in not really the bad guy, but the guy who... The guy who you really should boo, but you don't. The sort of the charismatic, the charismatic monster who kind of knows he's a monster, but goes on some kind of redemptive journey. Yes. And that, that was always the one that, that caught me. So I, I write anti-heroes. And I wanted to write a modern, ultimate um, British anti-hero who was a vampire. And I didn't want him to be the sidekick of a of a lover um i wanted him to be the main i wanted him to be the main guy and that that really hasn't been done or not not in a really mainstream way um and so that was my one from rebel vampires and his name is called light and he's the one who's a savant and it follows him from victorian times up to the modern day main period of it is the 1960s and it's about starts off as a predator at the beginning of the series and it's about whether the blood lifers are known as blood lifers i'm calling them vampires <laughs> but actually there are real species um called blood lifers a, it kind of evolutionary have developed in an evolutionary way along with humans um and mm -hmm. it's whether they're the predators or whether they're the prey because it all turns on its head and they become prey to the humans um, and it was it was um, uh, my my attempt essentially to make a uh, make an antihero British antihero, and then the second series is Rebel Angels, and I wanted essentially to do the same thing but with a female antihero because I think that's something that's really underrepresented um, because we have a lot of sort of kick-ass heroines in urban fantasy that's a kind of really familiar thing. But not that many kind of badass anti-heroines. Um, so she's half vampire, half angel, and um, it's it's got um, you know lots of um, it, it's angels versus vampires. That's my that's the simplest way. Yes, okay. Okay. I can just say it's angels versus vampires, and uh, Violet is the lead character in that, and she's both sides want her because she's half angel, half vampire. Both sides want her essentially as the ultimate weapon to win the war. And that's, that's, that's very, you know. And again, but as I said, essentially, I wanted to uh, have a British um, anti-heroine. Um, and they're both, set in, they're both set in London, which is my dad's a Londoner, and I wanted to set two series in London. And so, but you yourself don't live in London. I live in, no, I live in Oxford. So not that far, but yeah. Okay. So just kind of far enough away. Far enough to not be London. Right. <laughs> yeah, but not that far. It, you know, you, you touch on something um, that I felt 
myself with uh, my own book, Daughters of Forgotten Light, is um, that everybody talked about, well, we need more strong female protagonists. Uh, but I always loved the antiheroes as well. And I wanted to, first of all, every character is a woman in this book. And I wanted them to be as rough and violent as any mm. male character, um, which has been very divisive, <laughs> to yes. say the least, because a lot of people love it and, and they love that it's different and that, you know, that these women are actually real. Uh, but then other people are like, I don't like women backstabbing each other and, and fighting and and. It's, that confused me a lot. In fact, I tell this to people that my mother said that uh, if I wrote a book with all women, that it wouldn't get published. And so <laughs> I proved her wrong. Um, and <laughs> so I appreciate that, 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 that uh, I'm not alone in that. And uh, so we talked about rebel vampires. We talked about rebel angels. Uh, now, do you have plans for any future books in in a separate series at this time that we can know about yeah well i have um a new series coming out in autumn um which well the titles haven't been announced yet but that's going to be also set in the rebel world but it's a spin-off from rebel angels um and that's exciting because that will be set in oxford which is where i live um and yeah, so I'm really excited about that. So that's going to expand, essentially, um, on the series that I have. Uh, I, yeah, and I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Um, what's been most... That was interesting what you were saying about your book, because it's just like, oh, that's so similar. Because I had a very... Because I've had such an interesting response. I've had more fan mail about um, Rebel Angels from people who have really appreciated the way that Violet uh, is a powerful woman right. um, and is, um, is, a, is a realistic woman <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, and that's been really interesting. But what the, the negative side that I have, have had has also been this, basically, why isn't she... Why isn't she just a nice, typical heroine who is nice from the get-go? And why are why why are the men deferring to her? Why aren't all the men alpha men who are telling her what to do? Um, so that's been that 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 was an eye-opener because I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that side for everyone. She's half vampire. Why why would anyone expect her to be perfect? particularly in the first book, which is the beginning of any anti-hero story. Why would anyone expect? Um, it was, it, that was interesting to me that that, that, that was a, the gender stereotype stuff. Um, yeah, w was interesting. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm it's going it's gonna to be interesting what I'm going to be exploring in, in autumn as, as well. So when you when you publish books and you get reactions, which have been so fantastic for Bebel Angels, um, and it sparks your mind and you think, well, I'm going to be exploring other stuff, so it's going to be fun and interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's extremely sexist, uh, in my opinion, to, have, to, to expect every woman character in a book to have this nice, you know, sweet, wayfish, personality and it's just that's 
that's ridiculous to me. And they're not that interesting. I don't find those kinds of characters interesting <laughs> at all. I'd rather, you know, read about the woman yes. who will blow your head off if you look at her uh, the wrong way. <laughs> but that's just me. That's well, yeah, I think I think that you know you've got to have uh, you've got to have you know we will we will real and we are all different and uh, I think that um, I I think that we have to have heroes, anti heroes, damsels in distress. But my character certainly isn't a damsel in distress. I think it's pretty clear from my front cover of my books that she isn't a damsel in distress. Right, um, and I think that. Uh, I think that it's about time that people challenge that anyway. Absolutely. So I guess keep doing what you're doing, Rosemary. Uh, we're going to wrap things up, but I want to ask what, what are some books you're currently reading that you're enjoying? Okay. So I'm actually not, that sounds awful. I'm not reading anything because I'm writing, when I'm writing a first draft, I can't read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that no no i completely understand i completely and understand you, I, it, it kind of um my voice my voice i can't hold the voice that i'm writing if i read anyone else so i'm only able to indulge in reading like i have like i gorge myself on reading when i'm at a specific editing stage and when i'm first draft writing it's awful i can't read anything so right now i'm not actually reading anything and i have a huge pile of books waiting to be read that were bought for me at christmas and i can't read any of them which is so i so i'm really looking forward to reading a whole ton of books what's the first one <laughs> what's the first one that you're going to try to read once uh, you finish your draft oh wow okay i think i think the first one i'm going to read is possibly shane silver's new one uh yeah I possibly that yeah I might be <laughs> <Things may change. laughs> well, I don't know because literally I have like a, a, about 20 books waiting to be read but yeah I'm a finicky reader if I'm reading something and I told myself especially if it's a friend who's, who's written it uh, I'm going to read this book but then I start to feel drawn to another book <laughs> For whatever reason, and then I and I kind of said, "Well, let me just read that." And if it's if it's way better and it pulls me in, and every time usually it does, and I, I eventually get back to the other book. But uh, I, I'm very I'm very finicky about that kind of stuff. It's weird. My, my wife laughs at me all the time because I, I have a reading goal. Like, okay, I have to read this many pages tonight, <laughs> which is ridiculous because it kind of takes the entertainment value out of it, yes. you know. But at the same time, it, I it's become almost a part of the craft of writing it to read as well. So I, 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 that's something I have to work on. Um, but to uh, remind everyone, we've been speaking with Rosemary A. Johns. Uh, we've been talking about her uh, rebel vampires and her rebel angels. And uh, hopefully soon, uh, you said it was going to be about a witch, possibly? Uh, in autumn, it's... Okay, this is an exclusive. It's going to be about werewolves and witches i was about to say do you like werewolves because that's my favorite <laughs> yes well, okay it's good yeah, it's gonna be primarily werewolves yeah i'm very embarrassed to say but my first novel which will, <laughs> will never leave the trunk and never be published was about uh werewolf pickup artists and it was horrible <laughs> 
And I didn't know what urban fantasy was at the time. And I guess if I would classify it as anything, it would be urban fantasy. But uh, I, I'd initially started it as a horror novel. And it anyway, it was just a big mess. But I love werewolves. I don't know if I could ever write them um, in the future, but I'll see. But uh, we're definitely looking forward to that one in the autumn. Uh, Rosemary, thanks so much for coming on Cosmic Dragon. We appreciate talking with you, and uh, we wish you well. And hopefully you'll nail that uh, USA Today bestseller again, and maybe even the New York Times. Who knows? (laughs) Thank you for having me on. It's been fun.